Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSR, HealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Welcome to Mary Ann Live. So glad you're here. Uh, this is a topic today near and dear to my heart, to any female, and that includes the man typing species person who's got a feminine side, who has daughters, a mother, a sister. This does not exclude you. Do not touch this dial. You want to stay here. This is a critical issue to all of us on the planet today. Naomi Katz is joining us. We're talking about her new book, Beautiful, Being an Empowered Young Woman. We need to know what that means. We are in a paradigm shift. We need you to listen. We need you to participate, to pay attention, to grieve with us, to grow with us. Naomi Katz and I are going to be together this hour to do just that. Oh, and we're going to have fun. Don't worry. We're going to breathe. We're going to do all the normal stuff. It's going to be great. I'm just saying. This is a big big topic for us, and I know Naomi feels the same way. Uh, Yeah, pretty much devoted my whole life to trying to understand what Naomi so beautifully wrote in her book all about uh, growing up in the Western culture as a female and and all that's involved in that. But before we get there, let's get here all the way as much as we can. If you're driving right now, don't worry. Your cerebellum knows how to continue driving while you do the following, turning your attention slightly inwards. Just to notice your breath. Beyond that, I, I can't advise you to, to get too much more inwards if you're driving. Everybody else, if it's safe and it feels spacious, you can drop a little deeper and find the breath in your body. Just noticing where it is. You don't need to do anything about it necessarily, unless you want to. You might want to deepen your breath because it feels really good. You might want to just notice how your breath is breathing you, where it is in your body, if it's in your belly or your chest. This is a really simple, powerful way to get present. I can't be reminded enough times, so this is not... Um, advice. This is an invitation for those of you who like to deepen your practice. You're already breathing in and out. You're already gone. <laughs> You're connected to the breath and the gift. And if you want to add just a, another little wrinkle here or a little gem, um, add your sound. Listen to your sound. Have an audible breath, why don't you? Like, kind of makes a difference. It does for me. My shoulders tend to drop away from my earlobes, which somehow they think they belong there. I, I'm always trying to negotiate that. So, yeah, wherever you're at with your breath and your body, 
bringing yourself a little more present so we can receive our guest's presence. She's coming with gifts today, not the least of which is herself. She's got a lot of gifts, so we want to be as present as we can to get them. So that's one part of our practice, because we're big believers in practice here at Marian Live. I don't know about you, but it almost feels like on a daily basis I have to reapply, right, to stay awake. Because even when you go to sleep at night, sometimes you really go to sleep and forget all the work we've done, all the skills we have. And so just any little practice can help us remember who we are, what we're doing here, that we're more than these stories and all of this good stuff. And another way to help us do that is finding a portal of gratitude. Yes, this is not a cliche. Don't go to sleep here. This is not, oh, yeah, I'm so grateful. It's not easy to be grateful. I don't know about you. But uh, some days I have to try really hard, um, especially if you're in the helping profession, which most of us are, it seems to stay, seems these days. You know, being of service, trying to make a difference in the world, you, your heart feels so heavy. Or maybe you're getting over some kind of a loss or struggling in some way. It's not always easy to find your way. But here's, here's another invitation. Can you remember the last time you did what your perspective was like, how it just shifts your attitude, and then the world sort of magically shifts in alignment with that attitude shift. So my favorite question is, who helped make it possible for you to do what you're doing right now? And uh, I'm sure that conjures a lot of people and and, uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of people, including the clothes on your back or the chair you're sitting in or the car you're driving or the electronic device you're holding. Just take a moment and see if you can soften into that understanding, that vastness, and see if your body shifts even more. You can just allow yourself to be in alignment with that gratitude. I'm going to go down our list of folks who make it possible for us to do what we do, and this is not an exhaustive list as I sit here in my my third eye, as I like to call her, one of my producers is sitting here working away tirelessly a decade later. I mean, we, we have so many people uh, that help us bring you this show. Linda McKenzie, J. Cruz at HealthyLife.net Radio, our honorary sponsor, One World Children's Fund, uh, .org if you're online, uniting people to improve the lives of children affected by poverty at the national level. We're sponsored by the National Action Organization, committed to changing the way our culture values each other. And at the local level, the Open Secret Bookstore in San Rafael, California. Yes, there are still bookstores standing. Go in this one. It's very cool. They've got the latest in meditation and revelation. They've been our sponsor for about 10 years as well. So, yep, those are some folks who make us able to do what we're doing. We're all standing on each other's shoulders, leaning into each other, the big council of we that we are becoming consciously. Yeah, Naomi Katz knows a lot about that, by the way. Our our guest today, I'm going to start talking about her because so many of her fans are with us and uh, would-be fans are joining us today and people who are really interested in this topic, which is, is not only timely uh, as uh, we come in the United States on the cusp of potentially electing an, uh, a female president. And, and again, this is just saying, not saying you're voting for her, or I am, or whatever, but there's a lot of feminine talk going on at, at levels and layers that like none before. Well, Naomi Katz, um, 
She's written a book. Um, she's actually the visionary behind the beautiful project. I know a lot of you have heard about this, a movement dedicated to building self-confidence in women and girls. But she's an educator who empowers women and girls to redefine culture by reclaiming the language they use to talk about themselves. Naomi's worked with young women for more than 15 years and on four continents, and she's joining us today to talk about the issues young women face. And she's actually going to get personal with us and tell us uh, some about some of her struggles, which she writes about in her book and, and what inspired her to do the work she's doing um, on the planet right now. Naomi, we're so glad to have you with us. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Marianne. Yeah, so... You're welcome, and thank you for uh, dedicating your life to such a, uh, what a cause, my God. When did you wake up and say, hey, I've got to do something about this. We're going to talk about what this is, but tell us a little bit about that story. What, what inspired well, you to do this work? My students inspired me more than anyone else, to be honest, because basically I was a really young teacher in my first teaching job, maybe like 23 or 24 years old, and my students in 7th and 8th grade, the girls asked me if I would do an all-girls class in the school, and the framework for it existed in the school, like a bunch of electives during a particular time of the year, and so I agreed. I had no idea what I would do with them, but I knew that it would be interesting, <laughs> and, and it... It's true, it's true. But it was really incredible because they, you know, they voiced the need and I responded. And then the way that they were able to come together in that class was really incredible. The same girls who were, you know, fighting with each other or bullying each other outside of that room, in that space were talking, really, and sharing and listening and trusting. And I understood from that experience that creating a forum like that for girls where they have a safe space to really share with one another helps them understand that, their problems are often shared experiences, and they're not alone in the things that they're going through. And also that being in a circle of just girls for even a short time can be a huge support for them. And I understood also that I have a gift to bring to these girls, and so I continue to do it ever since. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I know a lot of you who are just joining us, I don't know for sure if this has crossed your mind, but... We'll ask Naomi here what she thinks about this. Oftentimes when people talk about, let's talk about women or beauty or whatever, we often go to that dualistic thinking, right? We lose half the audience uh, in, a, in a way because they think what's coming next is, oh, we're so angry, men are to blame, the oppressor, the white man. You know, that whole story is just, we just have to hold that at bay to have this conversation. Let's speak to that so we can just sort of nip that in the bud here because this is not what this is about. Yet there are elements of what women struggle with, young women struggle with, that have to do with that. So, so how would you speak to that, Naomi? Well, I think that creating a culture of empowerment is everyone's concern. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, all, the men are also completely related to the women, whether it's their mother, their sister, their partner, their friend, daughter, but also beyond that relationship, when one person in my community is disempowered, we're all somewhat disempowered because the best way for us to really lift ourselves up as a community, as a culture, as a people, is to bring out the best in each one of us. And so the question of how we empower girls and how we empower women is a question for all of us because we want the best for everyone around us, number one. And number two, the 
nature of life is relationship between the masculine and the feminine. All of our lives started that way. And so no matter what kind of relationships I choose to pursue in my life, I am intricately connected with my male counterparts. And so what affects them affects me. What affects me affects them. And, again, it's, it's all, you know, it's connections that are unbreakable. Yeah, that's a gorgeous context and a, an important um, distinction to make. So anybody listening, you've all got a feminine side and a masculine side, and we're going to venture down um, the gender-specific challenges in the Western culture some, but we'll, we'll be pulling the microscope out philosophically as we go and in and out. Um, but on a practical note, thank you for that. It's really important to sort of set that stage, Naomi, so we get off to the right start. But uh, you yourself... When I was reading your book, I noticed I loved your transparency, the vulnerability, and you're so frank without being in your face. It's just like the vulnerability in your frankness is gorgeous, and it feels so real. And, and I'd love for you to talk to our listeners a little bit about what it was like for you and uh, as a young person facing some of these challenges that we're going to name uh, as we go um, today in the culture and how maybe they have changed from when you were even a teenager or, you know, you're, you're actually you, you talk about from seven years old, the tween age, that these issues start to arise. Well, I think that, some things have definitely changed since we were teenagers. And more than anything else, the impact of social media is cannot be overstated. When I was in high school, it didn't exist. The Internet was you know, just being born. I don't know if that ages me. But the way that young people interact now, using so many different social media platforms as almost their main form of interaction with one another, creates a totally different playing field. That being said, I think that the stresses and the challenges of adolescence have always existed. The same in my generation and my grandmother and my grandmother's grandmother because that's a time when we're making a very, very significant transition. We're moving from being a child to being an adult, and that's not easy. The things that, have, that are different now than maybe a few generations ago or even when I was a teenager are, first of all, what I said about social media. The way that we interact has changed. The way that young people interact has changed. They're immersed in a completely image-based world that they, where they learn to appreciate their appearance more than anything else and to focus on their appearance more than anything else, even though that's not their whole self, and then to display it, to put up pictures of themselves and to wait for responses, to see how many likes they get. So when I was a teenager, we knew who was popular and who wasn't popular, but it wasn't quantifiable. Today, it's quantifiable in the form of likes. Another thing that happens is that the way that women's bodies are objectified and sexualized in the media is replicated in girls' social media platforms. And so there's a certain pressure that girls feel to be or look or act a certain way that's often a very sexual way, way before they're generally ready. And so that's another factor. And that creates also pressures among the boys, what they're told to expect from girls, as well. And the third thing is that the way, well, first of all, another impact of social media is that kids don't have a break from their social situation. I would go to school and I would come home and there were different interesting, sometimes challenging social dynamics at school, but I would go home and it would be time to rest from that. 
kids don't have that anymore because of the way that we're constantly on our smartphones and constantly engaging with our social media profiles. So all of those things create a really overwhelming situation for most teenagers when adolescence is already a pretty overwhelming time. And then the other thing that I think has changed is that we don't live in a community structure anymore that has the opportunity to create mentorship relationships. And so for young people, the elders that they interact with generally tend to be their parents, maybe some other people in their families, and their teachers. And what kids really need are many different role models to help them understand this transition from childhood to adulthood, to help understand what does it mean to be a man, what does it mean to be a woman in today's society, and to have various models to look to, and also different people to talk to, because sometimes our parents aren't the best people to talk to, and that's okay if we have somebody else to turn to. Yes, this is a very complex subject for sure. If you're just joining us, Naomi Cass is with us today. She's written a new book for us, Beautiful, Being an Empowered Young Woman. Naomi, you just laid out some more landscape for us, and the thing that occurred to me as I was listening to you within that landscape um, or that territory is this sense of what is normative and how that seems like a moving target and even faster and quicker. Uh, you talked about maybe, you know, when, when we were growing up and even me earlier than that, uh, when we didn't have social media as a concern, uh, yet in the backdrop of that there are normal teenage concerns. So let's talk about some of those and about how this normative, this changing norm, the quickening of that actually um, maybe uh, it, 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 accentuates that or exacerbates that, something like that. Are you following me? Which exacerbates which? So the normal issues that teenage young women have may be, okay, let's name some of those. You, you already sort of spoke to some of the changing cultural issues we have. But let's talk about just the normal stuff that teenage girls go through and then add the layer of this changing norm on top uh -huh. of that and how it exacerbates that situation. So, for example, okay. let's take uh, body concerns, okay? What's a normal young te tween teenage girl going to be feeling about herself, and how is this changing norm exacerbating that today versus 10 years ago versus 20 versus the baby boomers? Because you kind of got to look at it like that. So... I think that all of us, adult women and also young women, face questions around our body image. You know, what, am I satisfied with how I look? How do I feel about myself in this outfit? What do I want to change about myself? And those questions are totally normal. Of course, we need to pay extra attention for situations, look out for situations where those questions take over, because for some girls, the questions really do take over and govern everything, and that can lead to different kinds of challenging relationships with our bodies, with food, with working out, so that's something to pay attention to, but also to be aware that body image concerns are totally normal for adolescents, for adults, for all of us. Right. So, so how have they been exacerbated? Yeah, and when does it become not normal in this normal, new normal? I mean, what is normal any, anymore, you know, relative to this concern? Well, that's really hard to answer, <laughs> yeah, right. what's, what's no longer normal. But what I can say is that the, what I said earlier about kind of sexualization and objectification has the impact of that on body image is really significant because when we're looking at images in the media of women who are 
partially dressed or not really dressed, and, and that's what girls are comparing themselves to, that can be really upsetting and painful. Come back after the break. More with Naomi Katz. She's written a new book for us, Beautiful, Being an Empowered Young Woman. We are going to cover the gamut here, body image, first kiss, what do we do when we get our monthly visitor, et cetera, et cetera, and how to navigate the perils uh, and, and thrive being a young woman in uh, today's Western culture. Back right after these messages. Don't touch that dial, everybody. Back in just a minute. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've We've ordered ordered No More More Love Life Life Drama Drama for us. Hi, everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host, Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Live and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. .com. Okay, so you have a couple of days off and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Music, information, and friends. HealthyLife.net. Welcome back. We're so glad you're with us today. title of Naomi Katz's new book is Beautiful, Being an Empowered Young Woman. That's what we're talking about. So, Naomi, we, we laid some of the landscape for folks, um, and now we're talking about the normative culture in the West. What, what is normal in terms of body images where we left off? Uh, and you said, you know what, that's just it's like a moving target. It's hard to... Hard to explain that the normal young woman is going to be concerned about her appearance based on the Western culture, but when we get into 
sexual objectification and self-objectification and all of it uh, related to the media and so forth, we, we've got a whole different animal we're dealing with. What do we want to say to the teens and the moms and everybody listening today about how, how do we address this? How do we know when we've gone outside the normal concerns? What are we supposed to do about it as well? Well, to teens, I would say, you know, really to pay attention and to see if you're concerned about your appearance is really overwhelming your life. Because, of course, we all want to look nice when we go and do things, and we want to feel good about how we look, and we want to feel comfortable in our clothes. But if you can't get to that place, then then ask someone for help and understand that that doesn't need to be something that dominates your life. It can be a concern that's part of the different things that, that concern you, but not something that completely takes over. And I would say also, particularly for the moms, I get this question a lot, you know, how can I be an example about, you know, for body image, positive body image or positive perspective about my body for my daughter when I don't feel that way myself? And I think that it's really important for us to be real with our youth about where we're at. If I don't feel great about my body on a particular day, that's okay. And I can share it with my students or with, you know, whoever I'm working with. And also share with them that it's also not going to take over my day. You know, maybe today I'll wear a different outfit that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable, but I'm not going to let that concern about my body take over my day. And the other piece is to pay attention to the language we use to talk about ourselves, particularly about our bodies. I can look in the mirror and not really like what I see. It happens all the time. And I can say, oh, my God, I'm so fat, or, oh, this outfit looks terrible, or my hair is so frizzy. And those things are mean, and that's me being mean to myself. And that causes pain, and then I carry that pain with me for the rest of the day or for the rest of the year. Versus if I say, you know, I'm getting a little bit heavier than I want to be because I really haven't been eating healthy and I haven't been working out that much, and I want to get into a better vibe, a better health vibe. Well, that's a totally different response to the same concern. And language has great power. And the way that I talk about myself also has a significant impact on the way that I talk about other people, which creates a certain culture around me. Yeah. If I create a culture that's about judgment and criticism, that's the culture in which I live. But if I'm part of a culture that's about reinforcement and positivity, that's the culture in which I live. And I always say, be a model of self-esteem for others. Make it cool to be to like yourself and to feel good about yourself because we all deserve that. Yeah, this is a really beautiful trajectory for folks, uh, a place to look forward to. If you're not actually living from this place and you're a young person listening, uh, you can get a hold of Naomi and her book and uh, suggestions and support in her own story about how she's been through some pretty awful self-talk and. Um, you know, all of the typical uh, teen nightmares that we all sort of have had to move through, those of us who've made it out the other side. Um, but let's slow down for just a minute. And, by the way, you can do that at beautifulproject.net if you're online listening now. Um, one of the things that occurs to me is how, you know, I look back to some of the most painful experiences I had as a kid and uh, related to body or how I looked or whatever and, you know, the cruel things that other kids would say or, or like you said, the self-talk that you have. And, and all of a sudden, at some point, there becomes what we call a self-schema, right, where in your teen years you start to build an identity, a persona that you present to the world, uh, one that will hopefully diminish the feelings of negativity about yourself or who you are in the world. Now, 
kind of what we're talking about in there is a really vulnerable time because this is a time where young people are trying on a lot of hats and ideas and ways to think about themselves, right, Naomi? So this is a, a very, very important conversation. This isn't just as simple as looking in the mirror and saying, I love you the one time. This is a, a, a replacing one entire way of thinking about something with another. And let's be even more specific about that because you talk about this in great detail at in your book when you talked about, hey, I'm a size 8 or 10 or whatever, and you said you felt really great about yourself, but then next thing you know, you're picking up a magazine or somebody else is telling a story and you get pulled into this vortex. Let's talk about this because this is really tough. Well, I think that it's really maintaining a positive self-image and cultivating self-confidence is a practice. And I think you spoke about it earlier that it's something that we have to continually remember and work on and really in the same way that we feed ourselves food, you know, actual food that we eat, we have to feed ourselves, we have to nourish ourselves with positivity and with strength and not in a way, you know, we're always cutting ourselves down, we're always getting, you know, cut down, no, just because that's a practice that we need to engage with every day in our lives, adults and youth. So if I want to make sure to really foster my self-confidence and pay attention to it, it's something that I can do on a regular basis. How do I wake up each day? How do I start my day? Do I start my day running off into all the things that I need to do? Or do I start my day by taking a minute to appreciate myself, to appreciate my life, to appreciate the fact that I woke up that day? And it sounds really cheesy, but it's really true. We need to give ourselves that food in order to sustain ourselves. Absolutely. Another. Go ahead. Yeah, go, go. Another piece of it that I think is really important is to slow down. We probably hear it all the time, but we live in a culture that is really fast-paced, and our lives are very, very full, which is wonderful. But we also have to take time for ourselves, and we have to model that for our youth because they learn from us to be constantly on the go, and when they're not on the go, in the moment that they have to sit down, boom, on the smartphone, checking social media, and being in that place again of, of judgment and criticism, unfortunately. So really cultivating even just a few moments for myself every day to be with myself and feel what is it that moves me, what is it that I want. Because for adolescents, you know, they're in a time of making a lot of decisions, and they need to come from a place of strength in those decision-making moments because otherwise they, it's so easy to get lost. Yeah. Well, how do I find that place of strength and how do I find that place of quiet from which I'm going to make a good decision for my life? I have to know how to connect with myself. And so, again, it's something that we really have to cultivate and work with on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I love it. Slowing down. You said something earlier as well, being real. Sometimes being real is just admitting I don't know what I feel, uh, and I just need to stop. I need to move myself out of this situation because sometimes, like, one of your chapters is about hormones. When we're hormonal, i got to tell you, you don't know if you're coming or going, and the people around you sometimes have to reflect, oh, you know, my mom used to say, are you going to get your period? I'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know? You're like, oh, and then you start crying, you know. So these are all ways that we can start to learn about ourselves. Our guest today, Naomi Katz, she's joining us. While we go to break, 
get online and get a copy, several copies of this book. You want all your kids to have them, your friends. It's summertime. Look at everybody's got to read something better than a Cosmo. No offense to all the people who love that uh, periodical. We're going to be back right after these messages with Naomi Katz and Marion Camarado right after these messages. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've We've ordered ordered No No More More Love Life Life Drama Drama for us. us. Shh, over here. Here's a secret for a virus-free computer. ESET, they've been a pioneer in the antivirus industry for over 25 years. 25 years of innovative, top-rated antivirus protection. ESET's award-winning security solutions provide a safe online experience for over 100 million home and business computer owners. They are so affordable, fast, and simple to use. So be gone, you blue screen of death. ESET's on my computer. If it's not on yours, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ESET now. Did you know that in seven minutes you might save $522 on car insurance? Well, this makes sense. Since 21st Century Insurance's company's website has been rated number one in responsiveness by Keynote. Serving customers since 1958, 21st Century Insurance has a 24-7 online policy and claim service. You can get a quote fast and easy, so get your quote by visiting HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click right on the 21st Century Insurance banner. More exhilarating talk. HealthyLife.net Everybody, speaking of getting your periods, uh, we've covered some good stuff here. Uh, body image, um, you know, we're definitely dropping in and out of some very deep conversations. But, you know, this brings to mind the story of sex. Hormones brings that to mind. There are lots of things going on today relative to sex and young people like never before, Naomi. I mean, People were wild on the fringe when we were growing up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Today, we have a whole other deal going on. Let's talk about this, the pressures that young people are not only facing but succumbing to around sexuality and being a young woman. So, sex, sex. (laughs) (laughs) So, whenever people ask me what can we do better, to educate our young people about sex, my first answer is always talk about it. We live in a culture where sex is a pervasive influence. We see it everywhere, all over the media, sexual images all the time. But actually, do we really talk to our young people about sex? I unfortunately find too often that we don't, and we need to. And so what happens when we don't? The first initiations, really, that our young people have into learning about sex, understanding sex, come from the Internet. And what do they find on the Internet? Pornography. 
And, of course, I understand, you know, if I think probably if at my age pornography was as accessible as it is today, I probably would have searched out, too, because I, I'm curious. We are all curious, and we want to know, you know, what is this amorphous phenomenon that we hear about really actually about? So what happens when kids, especially girls, first learn about sex from watching pornography? They see images that are really unrealistic, often are men dominating women, and they create an expectation for girls to think that sex is about satisfying somebody else. And when I say sex, I don't just mean actual sexual intercourse, but also any sexual interaction. So girls think it's about satisfying someone else, and boys think that they can expect a certain type of behavior from girls, even if that's not who they are or the way that they interact. And I actually facilitated a retreat this past weekend called Real Talk About Sex, where we talked in an open forum with girls about sexuality, sexual interactions, what does it mean to me, what do I expect, and it was Unfortunately, it was painful for me to, to realize that for many of these girls to hear, you make the choice, you make the call, it's your body, it's your decision, that was, in a way, news for them. And it shouldn't be news. That should be the norm. And furthermore, the question of consent shouldn't just be about teaching girls that it's okay to assert themselves and say no, but also about what does it mean to ask for a yes? What does it mean to ask my partner if this feels okay, if she wants to continue or if he wants to continue? You know, for us to be in a mutual space of communication and openness. And always, I tell my girls, if you can't talk about it, you probably shouldn't do it. Exactly. Uh, I, I have a little uh, visual. I'm going to have to walk you through it. You have to imagine this in your mind's eye. I point to my head and I say, you need to use this. And then I point to my private parts, and I say, before you use this, and I say so, and then I point to my heart, and I say, so you don't break this, right? So it's another way of saying what you're saying. You know, we want to slow down enough, value ourselves enough, speak to ourselves in loving ways, and understand things, taking time to understand things that maybe we don't know enough about, because, you know, next thing you know, you might have a baby that... You know, I don't know what you're telling yourself at 16 or 18 years old about having a baby, but go talk to a, a, a young mother who's already done that, and it might be great birth control for you. I'm not saying that's true for everyone, but there's certainly uh, ways that we can avoid suffering um, by slowing down some of the things our guest today, Naomi Katz, is sharing with us. Um, Naomi, when you were teaching that group, what were the girls saying, if anything? Were they speaking up and asking questions about sex? Yeah, they were. I mean, it took it was it was a two day retreat, and so it took some time, of course, to warm up because it was a group of girls. Some of them knew each other beforehand, but most of them didn't know each other. So it took a few hours for them to feel comfortable with each other. But well, no, a few hours is actually an overstatement. It took a little while, but. They got right into it because for them it was a huge relief to be able to have a forum in which to ask these questions. And also many of the girls spoke about really positive relationships with their moms or with their parents in general or with an aunt or a grandma or some adult role model, but said, you know, but I don't really want to talk to that person about sex, which is fine, I understand, but they need somebody else to talk to. And so when we opened the possibility of having this kind of conversation, the girls were all over it and really wondering, like, how fast is too fast, what's okay to do. If I'm in a relationship with someone and but I also kind of don't always want to do what he wants to do, what can I say? Girls who also identified as questioning their sexual identity or who prefer to have sexual interactions with other girls talked about that. I mean, it was really educational for everyone 
because the main message that we all were able to walk away with is what I feel is okay, my opinion is valuable and really matters, my voice makes a difference, and I make the calls. And that's huge. Great. Really interesting uh, to know what the young folks are asking. And it sounds uh, about on par with what maybe you were asking or I was asking, right? This is really normal to wonder, despite the climate that we're in, we don't always know the answer to these questions. And like you were saying, our folks aren't always the folks that uh, we feel comfortable asking. So keep asking. Find someone you feel comfortable with, which brings us to our next uh, topic here, peer pressure how we are affected by uh, the people that we are surrounded by, what they're doing, how that influences what we're doing, uh, and, and how some of our peers can be really awfully mean and even bullying. Uh, this is a big subject the last 10 years, as you know. So, so let's talk about the role of peer pressure and the way it uh, affects young people, young women today. I think peer pressure has existed really probably forever, that in some way, because of how important our friendships are to us always, but particularly during adolescence, that in some way the, the idea of doing something because your friends think you should do it has always been around. And so the question is, what's happening now? How are girls affected by peer pressure now, and what does that mean for their self-esteem? So it goes back again to this whole question of sexuality and also of social media, because if the messages that kids are getting from culture in general and from the media is you need to be sexual, it's time to show your body. Being sexual is what will get you likes or will make you popular or it's really important for you to have a boyfriend or to have a girlfriend, then that creates the pressure to behave in a very particular way, often a sexualized way, which can be really painful and upsetting for kids who aren't ready. And unfortunately, that happens a lot. So there's lots of peer pressure around what's expected, you know, when do you need to lose your virginity, when do you need to have your first kiss, what does it mean to do this, that, the other. There's also peer pressure around other social situations, party situations, alcohol, drugs, lots of things that kids feel like they need to do, they need to try. And again, go back, find your voice, listen to yourself. What is important to you? What are you trying to do? And try to use that to guide your decision making. Yeah. I love one of the chapters that you have in here. Uh, you ask the question, chapter five, you ask the question, how do I want to be treated and how do I want to treat others? This is a great inquiry, Naomi. Often we don't even stop and think about that. As you said, we were talking about sex. You know, it doesn't even occur to us that we can ask the question, that we can decide and maybe move or navigate our lives treat us well uh, and treat ourselves well. It's really a beautiful inquiry. And by the way, if you're online, you want to go uh, get a copy or two or three of Naomi's book, uh, go to beautifulproject.net. When we come back, we're going to find out from Naomi what's next for the Beautiful Project, what it is, and how can you can get involved and, and all that good stuff right after these messages. Everybody sit tight. We'll be back in just a minute. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. 
Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've, We've ordered, ordered No More Love, love life, life Drama for Us. MarianneLive.com is where you can go to keep up to date with what and where relationship expert, author, and radio host Marianne Camarado is appearing next. Besides Marianne's three radio shows weekdays on HealthyLife.net, you can find out details about upcoming or ongoing seminars and workshops. How about information for ordering copies of books or DVDs? That's also available at MarianneLive.com. Find out about CORE Certification, Certificate of Responsible Relationships www.marianlive.com core certification learning tools to attract build and sustain great relationships also sign up for marianne's newsletter to be informed about upcoming events and possible workshops or speaking engagements in the northern california area www.marianlive.com what does HealthyLife.net and Amazon.com have in common? Well, they're both available on the Internet. They both give great value. But most important, most of our positive program hosts and guests are accomplished authors. And their books are available from, you got it, Amazon.com. Now it even gets better than that. Because when you're listening on air to a HealthyLife.net host or guest, you can go directly to Amazon.com and you can order your book while you're still listening to your favorite HealthyLife.net program. So when you hear an author you like, go to the homepage of HealthyLife.net and click on Amazon.com. Healthy Life. Life.net, the positive radio network. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, Naomi, this is such a big conversation and one that we are not going to drop the ball on here. Don't worry. Uh, there's more conversation to be had. You want to pick up a copy of Naomi Katz's book, Beautiful, Being an Empowered Young Woman. Uh, just to review what we've talked about so far, you know, body image, self-esteem, self-talk, which is one of the things that you teach uh, these young women, uh, sexuality, uh, hormones you discuss, and now we, the last uh, topic was peer pressure and, and how that influences uh, the way we make choices in the world. One of the things you need to know about Naomi's book is in the back of every chapter are, uh, is the uh, discussion area around what you can do about it, practical advice. Not only does she share with us her own vulnerable, beautiful, strong journey, uh, she gives us great advice to navigate things that all young women to some degree are affected by. So, uh, Naomi, talk to us about the Beautiful Project, what it is, and uh, how it was inspired. The Beautiful Project is basically the umbrella organization for all the different kinds of work that I and a number of my colleagues do with young women. So it includes retreats like the one that I talked about, Real Talk About Sex, and also retreats and workshops on other topics, social media and sexuality, how I can raise an empowered daughter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we do work with young people and with parents and mentors and educators and whoever is really interested in working with young women or who is a young woman, and also for young men, um, presentations in schools and at different organizations. So that's kind of one arm of the work. Another piece of it is that I do a lot of consulting around curriculum development to help schools and organizations develop or refine curriculum that is empowering and strengthening for young women and for adolescents in general. 
Another piece of the work is the blog at beautifulproject.net, which is a forum for young women to empower one another through self-expression. And we're always accepting submissions of writing, photography, art, whatever is your way of expressing yourself. And doing work like this, sharing, spreading the news across the globe. Gorgeous. Gorgeous work. Uh, beautiful devotion, to use your title. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, as we come up to the top of the hour here, um, let's talk a little bit about stress, and then I want to talk about what we want to leave our young men with, uh, our parents with, and our young women with. So let's talk about the, the influence stress has on, on all of uh, the young women struggling with these issues, whether you're white or gay or straight or bi or come from a broken family or, you know, it doesn't matter. Every, everybody's affected by this, uh, these issues. Uh, the stress is a really big deal. What do we want to say to folks about stress? I think that it's really important to keep in mind that the stresses that adolescents face, which are significant, about school, about self-image, about social relationships, public social relationships being the most stressful of all of the all of the things that affect them. For adolescents, those things can become really overwhelming because they don't have the tools that we have to cope with the stresses that affect our lives. And so it's really important to recognize that and to recognize that when a young person, man or woman, is overwhelmed by stress, that's real. And it's like telling a stressed out person to calm down. It doesn't work. We need to actually help young people develop tools to respond to the stresses they face and give them coping mechanisms so that these stresses don't become overwhelming. And also pay attention to how we as adults sometimes perpetuate those stresses. What are our expectations of the young people in our lives, particularly of our children, and how do we support their positive development? And how do we create an environment that's not about criticism and judgment, but rather about support and encouragement? Beautiful. On that note, what do we want to say to parents right now, whether they're together or single or whatever the situation is? What do we want to say about their young daughters and and, uh, giving them some advice as we move forward? Really the best thing that we can do for our young people, whether it's our children or our nieces or nephews or just other young people in our community, is both keep channels of communication open, really listen to them, and not judge what they say so that they will want to talk to us and will feel comfortable talking to us, and encourage them and support them. And that doesn't mean let them do whatever they want. It's important to set boundaries for our youth because they need that modeling of boundaries to know how to set boundaries for themselves, particularly in sexual interactions, but also in friendships and in other relationships and to know what serves them and what doesn't serve them. So to envelop them with the kind of love and support that we would want for ourselves, recognizing that that also means setting boundaries when it's necessary. And to reiterate what I said before, pay attention to the language we use to talk about ourselves. Use language that's empowering. Use language that's supportive because that affects the way that we talk about other people and the way the people around us see themselves too. Your book does a great job of spelling that out. By the way, if you're wondering what that means, don't worry. Check out her book, Beautiful, Being an Empowered Young Woman. It's all in there. You're going to get the guidance and support and their workshops and yeah, you don't have to do this alone. This is a really big, big deal. It's going to be here for a while. This uh, adolescent thing is not going away. <laughs> it's going to keep happening. So uh, let's get good at it together. What do we want to leave with uh, our, our young men with and uh, men in general with in this conversation, Naomi? 
One of the things that I think, unfortunately, has happened as we've moved toward a, being a society where men and women are equal is that sometimes we've become confused, and we've confused equality with sameness. And the girls, the women, have learned in many situations that in order to be equal with the men, we need to be like them. Sometimes we dress like them. We work in the same places as they do. We do a lot of the same activities. And that's opened many doors. For me, that didn't exist in the dreams of my grandmothers, much less exist as opportunities that were available to them. However, we're also in some way losing the value of that which is different between the men and the women. And I think we need to remember to honor that. We need to recognize and honor what's beautiful about being a man and what's beautiful about being a woman, and each of us embrace what we are with pride and with happiness. And so that's true for the women and for the girls, and that's true for the men and for the boys, too. Beautiful, beautiful. We're coming up to the top of the hour here right now. What is your go-to for yourself? The thing that you might say, every time I ran into trouble as a kid, this is, this is what helped me out, just to give somebody a one-two right here, something that they could walk away with right now, put in their back pocket, no matter what they face, this might be uh, helpful for them, aside from getting a copy of your book, which could be their Bible. <laughs> wow. Um, I think it's always important to remember, you know, this too shall pass that I may be going through a really hard time, but at some point it will be over just because it's over and I'll move through it. And so to keep proportion around the things that I'm experiencing and to know that this may be really, really hard, but I'm going to move through it. And also to keep that place of the connection with myself and my own inner voice. What do I want? Who am I? What's important to me? Gorgeous advice. Not easy to do. We're so lucky to have you as a role model, Naomi, and all the women that you're working with and the work you're doing in the world. We applaud you here at Marianne Live. We're so glad that you took your time to. And uh, we hope you uh, keep writing books and keep doing what you're doing and come back and visit us sometime in the near future. Thank you so much for having me. And I just want to remind everybody to check out the project at beautifulproject.net. Absolutely, and this will be in our newsletter. And uh, anything that you cannot remember, go to info at marianlive.com. We will send it out to you and remind you uh, anything that you have forgotten today, send you the rebroadcast, et cetera. Again, thank you to our author, Naomi Katz. Thanks for joining us at Marianne Live. So, Ty, we're going to be back for our wrap and let you know who's on deck next week. We'll get back right after these messages. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host, Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. I mean, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Light and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. 
To be a good father is the most important job in a man's life. But it doesn't have to be hard. Play catch. Go to a park or visit a zoo. Help your child with their homework. Sit down together for dinner. Ask them how their day was. Things get busy, and sometimes we all fall short. But the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 1-877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Where can I contain all of my stuff? Hmm, how about this? The Container Store, the original storage and organization store. And I found their link on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. They have containers for everything, including the kitchen, the bathroom, trash and recycling, traveling, spring cleaning, and dorm rooms. Just about everything you can think of to contain your stuff. The Container Store, right on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative. Welcome back, everybody. You know, there are days where I wonder how I made it out of my adolescence. If you are an adolescent and listening to this program and you are in it, this too shall pass, says Naomi Katz. Hold that. Hang on to that. Put it in your back pocket, your front pocket. Tattoo it on your uh, on your peachy, not on yourself, if you can help it, unless you really have to, but I didn't tell you that. And join us next week, uh, same time, same place, for Helene Segura. She's going to be with us talking about the inefficiency assassin right here on Marianne Live. Uh, and don't worry, seriously, if you've forgotten uh, any of these things, go to info at MarianneLive.com, and we will have this show rebroadcast for you, Naomi Katz, and her titled book, Beautiful, Being an Empowered Young Woman. Go get a copy of the book, et cetera, and uh, don't forget to join us next week. And we wish you every blessing until then. And, hey, third party of practice, go do something for somebody else. Don't let them know you did it. Make it a beautiful day. See you next time, everybody. (laughs) 